Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. I'm your host, Ian Bukta, and today we are going to hear an interview with our co-producer, Haley Boudreau, that will be the first in a new series. The DeBeaumont Foundation recently recognized a list of 40 under 40 in public health, and we are going to interview some of the ones around the country and our region whose work caught our eye. We even have an interesting collaboration with a partner coming up during this series, though we aren't quite ready to announce that one yet. Now for the good stuff. Haley talked to Dr. Brittany Marshall of the CDC Foundation. Dr. Brittany Marshall received awards for her work with healthcare inequalities based on race and sexual orientation. A brief note on terminology that will be appearing throughout this episode and their conversation. The term MSM and PrEP do come up a couple times, and I'm just going to lay them out for you. MSM stands for Men Who Have Sex With Men, and PrEP stands for Pre-Exposure Prophylaxis, a type of new drugs that can reduce the risk of contracting HIV. All right, here's Haley's interview with Dr. Marshall. My name is Brittany Marshall. I currently am with the CDC Foundation, and I am the Climate and Health Program Manager. And you were recently named as part of the DeMont 40 Under 40. Can you briefly describe the work that contributed to this amazing honor? Um, the work that contributed to my inclusion on the DeBeaumont 40 Under 40 um, was that when I first started my career in public health, I was fortunate enough to be in the CDC Public Health Associate Program, or PHAP, um, where I was placed in health department outside of Orlando, Florida. And, you know, knowing that Orlando is a very metropolitan area, the county in which I was placed was a rural area, very conservative. And one of the projects I worked on was for Kevin's Corner, And Kevin's Corner is an online platform where community members can come and ask anonymous STD and HIV-related questions. And then the workers at the health department, we were able to respond to those questions. So we were trying to break down the barriers of stigma, bring awareness to STD and HIV prevention, again, in this very conservative county. As a result of us creating that platform, we won Florida Productivity award from the state because instead of us having to go out and do health education in the community, this award allowed the health department to reduce expenditures by just allowing us to do that online health education. So that is what my innovative contribution to public health was that allowed me to be awarded 40 under 40. That's fantastic. And currently you live in Atlanta And I see that you also have been recently selected as one of 10 outstanding Atlanteans of 2019. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work in Atlanta? Sure. So following graduate school, I transitioned to the CDC. When I first got here to Atlanta, I was a guest researcher working with the Epidemic Intelligence Service Program, or EIS. That is CDC's premier applied epidemiology fellowship program for doctoral level scientists, physicians, veterinarians, et cetera. I mean, on that role, I was working to do an evaluation of their summer course. So when the EIS officers come in, they do a month-long training. So I did some evaluation around that training. I'm in following that, I transitioned to the CDC Evaluation Fellowship Program, um, where I worked in the Division of HIV AIDS Prevention for two years, working on a project called Project Pride. And that project focuses on increasing 
PrEP uptake among Black and Latino MSM um, in 12 jurisdictions around the United States. So that allowed me to get a lot of on-hand evaluation experience, doing technical assistance with state. I'm doing a lot of capacity building, training, etc. So I really was able to flourish in my public health career in those two particular roles. Concurrently, I also got very involved here in the Atlanta community. One of the organizations I've been most involved in is the Urban League of Greater Atlanta Young Professionals. I served as the personal and professional development chair for a year and a half. And in that role, I was responsible for planning all of the professional development activities of our chapters. So one of the key events that I organized was our 2017 Entrepreneur Boot Camp. So that was a day-long conference where we had panel discussions about how to start a business, how you can support aspiring entrepreneurs here in Atlanta. Also, technology is a emerging space here in the city and how people can get involved in that scene. Also, we had a pitch competition where small business owners could come pitch their businesses to um, our panel of judges and receive a cash prize. As a result of my um, work as the personal and professional development chair here in our chapter, we were awarded the National Day of Empowerment Award from the National Urban League Young Professionals. And I'm also proud to say that we are a now three-time reigning Southern Region Chapter of Excellence for the National Urban League Young Professionals. And so I was recently elected as vice president of that group. So my work experience combined with my community work, particularly in the Urban League, is what led me to be named as a 2019 Outstanding Atlanta. That is fantastic. You have kept very busy. Um, I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at your CV now. And, you know, since I'm in the College of Public Health right now and I'm a student, I see that you've also held some positions with the APHA as a student assembly chair where you actually represented students. I want to ask you, do you have any advice for students or people starting their career? So the one key piece of advice I would give people is first be open. Actually, when I started my master's in public health program at the University of South Florida, I came in thinking that my career was going to go in one direction. Um, I was very focused on global health, HIV, and wasn't really looking to have the diverse range of experiences I've had in public health. You know, since then, I've worked in obesity prevention. I've worked in, obviously, workforce development, went back to HIV, but then since have left and um, did some transportation safety work and now working on climate and health. So my career has definitely gone in many different directions. So I think starting out in public health, you definitely have to be open and know that because our field is so broad, what you come in thinking you you want to do, life is going to take you somewhere else. So definitely focus on developing transferable skills that you can use in different areas. So for me, that has been evaluation. Um, now I feel that I can evaluate any and every program. And so again, I think that's contributed a lot to my ability to have these diverse experiences. The second I would say, and it's great that you um, mentioned APHA and the Student Assembly, but definitely don't be someone that just goes to school and work. Really take the time to get involved in the field and network professionally. Because I will say that by me building a strong network in public health, that definitely 
definitely has opened a lot of doors. I don't really think I can name any professional work experience or position that I've gotten that hadn't been the direct result of networking. So definitely make sure you are meeting people, talking to people. Again, not just being a student who just has your nose in the books all the time, but getting involved in things like APHA or your local state affiliate definitely will open doors for you as well. That's great advice. How can public health do better at messaging? How can we improve um, as a profession as a whole? Right. So recently, I did a talk um, at CDC on some of my work I did when I was working in HIV. Particularly, I did a study looking at intimate partner relationships among Black MSM in the South. And so one of the audience members asked me, well, what does the results of my study tell us about Black MSM? And my response to him was that, you know, we often get these messages in public health that you know, HIV is disproportionately affecting Black gay men, um, which in turn leads people to believe like this is only a singular issue affecting this population. However, my study found that, you know, the behaviors of Black MSM aren't any different from those of other racial ethnic groups. So I think one of the challenges or things we need to address in public health um, when it comes to uh, messaging and communication, that we have to kind of stop fear-mongering. And we need to change the narrative to make people feel like it's okay to seek out healthcare, it's okay to seek out services. All of these health issues aren't necessarily affecting just one singular group, and they're not doing something wrong to be affected by these health disparities that we're seeing. Um, So I think we need to change the messaging around that. Broadly within public health, I think there is still a lot of misunderstanding around what public health is and what we do. I know when I was in graduate school, we used to have conversations with um, some of the medical students on our campus, and they literally had no idea what we were doing over here in the School of Public Health, which, you know, considering that medicine and public health, while they are different, they do still have some similarities and commonalities. So I I think we need to do a better job of, you know, communicating to the public what public health is, why we're important, and the benefits and contributions we make to society and have made. That's a great message. And one question that I wanted to ask you is, previously we've talked about in this podcast about how people's location and zip codes contribute to their health outcomes. Could you talk a little bit about how place matters in the work that you have done or currently do? So to briefly expand about the project I did when I was in the Division of HIV Prevention, I think definitely now we are seeing how HIV is um, disproportionately affecting those in the Southern United States. And when we say Southern, we're talking about Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, sort of the the Sun Belt, if you will. And that's just not even specific to HIV. You see that across all disease areas. I know heart disease um, is one of those. And so you know, this is a, a clear-cut example of how um, where you live matters. I think also, if you look at some of the statistics around these states, you know, they're also very, they rank very low in terms of education. Um, so you can also see how that connects to health. And so we're talking about things such as life expectancy. Again, this is a, a clear indicator of how 
um, where you live kind of sets you back a little bit out the gate and how we need to work um, within public health, also across sectors to address that issue. Yeah, that's a great point across sectors, because as you mentioned before, you know, sometimes physicians don't know what we do. Sometimes educators don't know what we do. But together, I mean, we can really make an impact. Um, So that's a great point. Just a couple more questions for you. If time and funds weren't an issue, what would be the one thing you would change in public health? If time and funds weren't an issue, I definitely think I would, you know, work to give people better access to health care. Um, whether or not that was free bus passes, free Uber rides to health clinics, health department, physicians offices, just give people more opportunities to reach good, high quality of care. And then also, too, I would enhance um, some of our prevention programs because prevention is still the cornerstone of public health. We want to ensure that people are healthy and do that, you know, with the primary prevention. So increase our our primary prevention programs, and then two, try to level the playing field. So going back to the question about, you know, where you live and how that dictates your health outcomes, um, just make things equal for people through that primary prevention, through education programs, through health coaching, and then to that access to healthcare. So my last question for you is, this can be public health related or unpublic health related. What is one thing that you thought you knew, but later realized that you were wrong about? One thing I thought I knew and later realized I was wrong about, kind of going back to previous question where I talked about starting off in my MPH program, thinking I was going to do one thing and end up, uh, and I've ended up somewhere completely different. I think coming into public health, I only had the, the thought that public health was just epidemiology. Um, I didn't mention that when I started my MPH program, I was a dual global health and epidemiology concentration. Because when I had heard public health before that, I just thought, okay, you work in the health department, track diseases, that's all you do um, with this degree. But, you know, I've since realized is how, you know, wrong that is. There's so much you can do in public health. You know, right now I love doing evaluation. I feel that I've really been able to make an impact through evaluating programs and making recommendations to make our interventions better. Also, you know, doing health education and being out in the field and connecting with people um, and leading them to health resources is a space that I didn't realize you could do within public health. And so I'm glad that I realized that I was wrong about that because, again, it's just opened my eyes up to so much opportunity. I think even if we were going to have this interview a year from now, probably be doing something completely different. And I just love the fact that I'm able to go to work every day and not necessarily know what's going to happen because that's just how broad um, public health is. And, you know, it's just very exciting to be a part of this type of field. Yeah. So was that an invite, having an interview a year from now to kind of see where it's shaped? (laughs) Yes. Where Brittany ends up. (laughs) Great. We would love to have you again. Well, thank you so much and congratulations on your honor and all your honors that you continue to get. I kind of glanced at your Twitter and your CV and it seems like you're doing great work within public health and it's really inspiring as a, a student to see everything that you've been 
able to accomplish in just a short period of time. All right, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Dr. Brittany Marshall for being a part of this series. Her work is both interesting and timely, and we thought that this interview would be a great way to start this new series. We hope that you enjoy this episode and the ones to come. One major note is that this series was driven by Haley Boudreaux, who did most of the heavy lifting to schedule and interview guests, and you will be hearing more from her in the coming weeks in her other interviews with our other upcoming guests. Let us know what you thought about this interview and what you think about this series as a whole. You can find us on Facebook at the University of Iowa College of Public Health. We're on iTunes and Spotify as well as the University of Iowa College of Public Health. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating or a review as that will help other people find this podcast. If you're on Spotify, don't forget to favorite us. Again, that will help people find our podcast and get interested in public health. All right, we're out of here. This episode of From the Front Row was hosted and produced by Haley Boudreaux. Edited and co-produced by Ian Bukta. Our guest today was Dr. Brittany Marshall. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health.